Hello, I'm your host Cyrus, and welcome to the War Report. This is a show where we talk about AEW and NXT. Unfortunately, this time around, I am alone, so this episode will be a lot shorter, but we we have a lot to go through, so I'm just going to start it out with In the Trenches. Sort of small stuff, um, not a lot of news between uh, both companies, but our first report, once again, there's another COVID outbreak within the Performance Center or just in NXT in general. I think this happens, I, I think this happens a lot more often because they are like so much more confined in their space than people in the main roster are. I I guess. I don't know. But this is another one. I don't know what possibly can stop this with all the COVID deniers within the roster, but it is what it is. Good news for NXT UK. Mako Satomura will be heading to NXT UK as a trainer and also as a wrestler. Um, I definitely think a lot of the women there can definitely benefit from Mako's training, of course. I think a lot of the women there possibly already have worked with her before since they've... Uh, they probably cross paths in like, what is it? Progress, Pro Wrestling Eve, possibly um, WXW. So great stuff all around. As far as a wrestler, man, I don't know. I think they need to just like put put her in Orlando because I've seen a lot of matches with Mako Satomura, uh against a lot of the women that are there. Like, uh, the match that she had with Kaylee Ray did not impress me at all. I thought the match that she had with Ginny, uh, not, uh, fa- fairly recent for the, for the Progress Championship was okay. And, you know, that's a lot coming from me because I'm a huge Ginny fan, but I wasn't, like, really crazy for the match. Um, I definitely think that she needs to be in, like, NXT because I think the level competition there is, like, a lot better <laughs> but if she can help improve the women's division it's already great but any slight improvement will be for the better and for aew news abaddon uh she doesn't get a lot of shine on dynamite but she was supposed to have a match uh earlier this week but she got injured during the tapings again uh in her match against Takani. this sucks I, I I think I said it in one of the episodes uh, earlier this uh, earlier this month that like Abaddon should have been featured like heavily in October, and the fact that she was about to be on the like on the show a week before like well like uh, the week of Halloween and she gets injured, very very uh, unfortunate. So God speed, uh, get well soon. I. Didn't uh, I didn't I didn't read what the injury was, but I just heard that she was injured, and I was uh, just truly unfortunate on that part. But with that said, we're gonna get into AEW. Okay, look, I'm just gonna shoot my shot. Can I join the inner circle? <laughs> AEW. 
um, not, you know, I will say once again for the second week in a row, the highlights of AEW has been the tournament matches, and then the stinkers are the usual stinkers. MGF and Jericho, some of the women's stuff, the Cody stuff, your mild your miles may vary on that. And then uh, you know, weird backstage interviews and stuff like that. So I'm gonna start out with the backstage interview with the Young Bucks versus FTR and I said it last week where it's kind of AEW clockwork where they're kind of just like going back in time. Um, Excalibur sits FTR and Young Buck down in like separate locations and they start doing, uh, you know, some interviews and stuff. And FTR rightfully leaves because Excalibur is kind of just talking to the Young Bucks and then FTR is just there having to listen, you know, and... Why, why do they need to be there? I think this was like a poorly uh, done interview. But they're reusing the stipulation where if the Young Bucks don't win, they'll never challenge for the tag titles again. Now, I definitely think that the... Well, you know, I wanted to save my predictions for next week because we'll, we will be having a special guest. But I definitely think that young, the Young Bucks will win so they can challenge for the, uh, the tag titles again. And also, I don't think this like... I guess it works for Cody because, no, you know, Cody kind of did that stipulation so it can kind of, like, stop him from, you know, I guess, like, gatekeeping or, you know, stopping somebody's rise to the top. And then he gets the TNT championship, and then you see what he's done here for Orange Cassidy. My thoughts on it right now is that, like, I don't think the stipulation works. I don't necessarily care. It doesn't raise the stakes or anything. Especially when this could easily be overrided, you know, for wrestle purposes. You know, they can easily just, like, retract it. Doesn't matter. So, like, it doesn't really hold any weight uh, to me as of right now. And then speaking of, you know, gatekeeping or cutting somebody off at the knees we have this lumberjack match with cody and orange cassidy i like orange cassidy a lot i i I truly do but this is not a good look for orange cassidy i would say that at least for the jericho match like orange cassidy kind of got his comeuppance in the uh the mimosa mayhem match but like here Cody is still doing the thing that uh, Jericho is doing, I think, uh, what Justin said last week, where he's just, like, soaking up the shine or just, like, the momentum or hype of these other, like, up-and-coming talents and then, like, discarding them once it's over because Orange Cassidy will no longer be in, in contention for this title anymore because... He got well. He shouldn't have been in the first place because he got beat by Brody Lee. But Cody has beat his ass twice, and now Darby Allen is gonna have the match at full gear, and Orange Cassidy is left off the card. I think it truly did him a disservice. I can't say he's buried because he's so widely loved, but this certainly doesn't do wonders for his character. I think he has all the qualities to be a champion because we've seen him be resilient. You know, he's, like, resilient as Cody is. 
you see him put the pressure on Jericho. Like he is championship quality. Plus he's entertaining and everybody loves him. So it's it, it's doable. Like, yeah, he's not the greatest promo guy, I guess. He barely speaks anyway, so I don't even know how you could come up to that conclusion. But he can talk if needed. <laughs> so I, I, I think it's weird that, you know, they kind of just gave Orange Cassidy so much in these past couple months and kind of just there was no payoff for it, you know. So that, uh, that's unfortunate. And now... Uh, we're going to get into, I guess, what everybody's been waiting for, the Jericho and MJF moment. I read the spoilers that was on Reddit a couple, uh, that was on uh, Reddit last week. And we're finally going to get the match uh, between MJF and Jericho. Fine. I, I, I was saying that I always just wanted them to just wrestle, like, let's just get the wrestling over with. But I feel like I'm going to regret it because I just remembered that I'm not a big fan of MJF or Jericho in the ring. Or I'm not a big fan of Jericho anymore in the ring. So it's just like, this match can either go okay or be really shitty. So we'll see how it goes. But as far as this segment goes, long-winded, not funny, and... Calling on Bischoff again, it, it it doesn't work for me. Like it was really surprising to see him for the uh the debate thing before because he hasn't been on uh you know Turner Television for so long. But doing it again, it doesn't work. And then also like parroting, parry, parroting the presidential debate, it's not funny. Like especially because like I I'm I'm taking this uh. Like, maybe I shouldn't be taking the election so... Well, I'm taking this election very seriously. So when I'm seeing them kind of, like, make jokes and shit about the election, I'm just like, can you not? Because it's not funny to me. But, like, surely it worked for somebody else. But, like, this election is stressing me out. And I guess we can we can make jokes about it after res the results, I guess. I don't know. Maybe it just wouldn't work anymore. But, like, them trying to make jokes about the presidential debates, it, like, irks me because, like, I'm taking this, like, politics shit seriously for once. Um, but just with the segment as well, it's long, like I said, it's long-winded. And you can see in Ortiz's face, like, him next to Jericho, where he's just, like, looks bored. He looks annoyed whenever MJF says something. And rightfully so. But... He also, like, once again, he says, like, I don't want you, Sammy doesn't want you, and, uh, you know, Santana doesn't want you. So, like, like, why is it even being put into discussion for MGF to join the, the, um, the inner circle when nobody wants him there, you know? And if Jericho makes that call for MGF to join then I feel like Santana and Ortiz or Sammy Guevara should be like, you know what? He's your problem now. I want nothing to do with it. And normally, uh, like, uh, if MJF, MJF gets jumped or something, the inner circle doesn't help him or anything like that. And it, like, sort of creates a, vibe, uh, a divide between them. I would like that. I, I would like that a lot. And then hopefully Santana and Ortiz can finally like just go their own way. And then, you know, they can hopefully blossom in the tag division. But um, 
coming out of that segment. Next week we have Santana and uh oh I I wrote uh Santana and Ortiz, but it's gonna be Ortiz and Sammy Guevara, which I think is weird. But I guess MJF is gonna win and that's how they kind of protect Pride and Powerful. I understand it. And then at full gear it will be MJF versus Jericho. It is what it is on that. Uh getting into the, the tournament matches, uh Wardlow and Hangman. I never thought that Wardlow was going to win. <laughs> I think we all knew that this was, uh, this whole tournament was going to lead up to Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. And despite that, never thinking that Wardlow was going to win, I definitely think that Hangman Page made Wardlow look amazing. I, th I, I thought he made him look great. Uh, Wardlow impressed me here. Like, I'm, I don't want to say, like, I'm believing the hype, but, like, I saw moments of greatness in that match. And kind of sucks that he's stuck with MJF because I feel like he can he could possibly flourish on his own if given the chance to like uh MJF does a lot of the talking but like maybe he, Wardlow is probably like a really good talker if they you know let him be like we don't truly know yet <laughs> and you know what maybe he doesn't have to speak he's a big hulking guy like he doesn't you know he can shine in many other ways and then, like, just talking. And uh, the next tournament match is Omega versus Pentagon Jr. Phoenix is injured, like we said. Of course, uh, Penta would take the spot. And it's very unfortunate that uh, Phoenix is injured once again during his big moment. But nonetheless, this match, I felt like it was better than the match that Hangman and Omega had at All In. This match is much better, is much cleaner. And <laughs> I didn't mean to say cleaner, but I wanted to pose a question that it may will seem like a pun, but I didn't mean to. Um, is the cleaner back yet? Is this the Kenny Omega of old shining once again? I don't think so yet. I want to say the final verdict for me is at the pay-per-view against Hangman Page. I did like this match. This is the Kenny Omega that, you know, doesn't, like I said last week, he doesn't, like, go long. But he's definitely working smoother here, and that's good to see. So there's glimpses of the Kenny Omega of old in there, but I think the final verdict for me would be the Hangman Page match to see if Kenny Omega, quote-unquote, still got it. And I said it before, I don't know where, but I don't really think that the Kenny Omega of old can come back because I think the level of competition in AEW can't bring that out of him. Like, Pentagon Jr. is a fantastic wrestler, don't get me wrong, but he's no Okada, he's no Tanahashi, he's no Naito, he's no Goto. Well, he might be on the same level as Goto, whatever. But, like, that's where I think, like, the cleaner that we, like, quote-unquote, I guess, know and love, it's hidden there, and I don't think, like, anybody can apply enough pressure for that to come out. But I'm hoping that Hangman can. And they might go ridiculously long. There's, I don't think there's a lot of matches on the full gear card. We're, uh, we're going to talk about that next week. But that's it for AEW. I'm going to do some quick hits. I don't think that 
some of these stuff were like that important to talk about uh to go long form on so here's some quick hits scorpio sky versus sean spears who the hell let sean spears have this amazing uh win-loss record <laughs> kind of ridiculous but the fact that he's challenging scorpio sky here and he's not facing cody with that amazing win score i mean uh win-loss ratio it says a lot about AEW. Um, Serena Deebs and Legit Layla. When I saw this match and I saw a lot of people excited, I was just like, I don't know what the hell is up with you guys. I've seen some of Layla's matches. I don't think she's that great. Maybe is you know, maybe it's too early to like really be like critical of her. Like maybe she'll like grow into her own the more that she is in AEW, but I seen her stuff in stardom wasn't that you know I, I wasn't impressed at all but it is what it is serena d i like her the new nwa women's champion but i don't think she represents nwa as good as thunder rosa did um there's rumors on thunder rosa's next move but it may have debunked or they were just trying to save face but it is what it is. I think her losing the NWA championship is very telling <laughs> of what the next move is, but we'll just have to wait and see. Eddie Kingston versus uh, Matt Seidel. I wish somebody was here to like tell me if I'm crazy or not when I'm talking to myself in my room, but I'm starting to fall out of favor with Eddie Kingston. Sorry if that bothers anybody, but Matt Seidel tried, but I'm not seeing it in Eddie Kingston. Like, I'm starting to really think that he is all talk. When he first debuted or, you know, was featured on AEW, I was really excited for him because I was a big fan of a lot of his stuff in the indies. You know, I, I thought he was really great, but here he just, I, I just don't know what it is. It just doesn't like. It doesn't impress me anymore, or like it doesn't wow me anymore, or like I'm just not like, like I'm not entertained either. So I'm just like, like is it me, you know? But I'm just not really enjoying what I'm seeing from Eddie Kingston in AEW, and I don't think the I Quit match between him and John Moxley is going to be amazing. I like I, I think it'll be okay, but them trying to make it seem like this is like a a personal match or whatever, when you guys just kind of have like a lot of history, like, <laughs> and uh, I, I guess CZW if anybody like truly remembers that, um, but it it doesn't truly work for me. Uh, but that's it for AEW, and now I I purposely decided to record by myself so i can catch it this week but we're gonna talk about nxt uk and look at dragonov go dragonov getting back into this fight he's taking it to the champion how on earth is Ilya dragonov doing this the fighting spirit oh so I didn't watch all of NXT UK. Um, I went grocery shopping. But I came back just in time to see Isla Dragunov versus Walter. I'm going to keep it 
kind of short, but this match possibly five stars for me <laughs> it is brutal sadistic they are killing each other in there it is you know it it's everything that i love to see you know like you know violence and i i possibly need to watch it back but i really enjoyed this match a lot walter looks insanely dominant isla dragonoff looks you know, insanely uh, resilient. I wasn't that high on Isla Dragunov before, but I'm in favor of him now. Hopefully in the future or with different opponents, he can keep that sort of, uh, you know, um, energy. You know, uh, I don't like, I don't like the poses that he do or whenever he like does like some weird shit. I don't know. But like with here, with the Walter match, he kind of just like, all that shit was kind of like out the window. Like it was just like go time. That's like all it was. And I would like to see that more out of him. And uh, Rampage Brown is set to debut in NXT UK. I like Rampage Brown. I'm familiar with him from uh, WCPW. Uh, he has amazing. He had an amazing match with uh, Drew Galloway in Orlando a couple years ago that I saw. The dude is huge. And I think he may be the one to take it off Walter. So quote me on that. It may be it, it may be a slow build, but I definitely think that he's like the guy to take it off Walter. I looked at his cage match. It said he's seven feet. They may be wildin', but he is no small guy. So him and Walter is going to be like a fucking kaiju battle, and I definitely think that's where Walter takes his pinfall. Um, but that's it for. NXT UK. Now we're gonna get into Halloween Havoc. I'm Poppy. So far, I'm doing this in one take, and I'm very impressed with myself. But with that, being said, we need to take a moment of silence for Chelsea Blackheart. Okay, that that that's enough. I, just wow. Um, spin the wheel, make the deal. First up is John Gargano and Damian Priest, and it lands on a Devil's Playground match. I was not sure what the hell a Devil's Playground match was, as you could hear the episode uh, with Quan. Uh, my guess is with J5. But now, I know, and it's a no DQ false count anywhere match. And I liked it. I can't say... I, I liked it, but it's probably possibly like the best... No, uh, the second best match in their trilogy. I definitely liked the TakeOver 31 match. Uh, much more because you know it was just regular it wasn't nothing crazy uh, it was just a really good match all around and for the finish I, I love the finish a lot where in a guardian angel they were supposed to be uh, they were supposed to be unmasked but they didn't do it but we'll get into that later but Johnny Gargano cracking a tombstone over Damian Pre. well no doing the uh the swinging DDT off the wheel. That was fire. Hitting him with the tombstone. And then Damian Priest taking like a wild fall. Uh, 
to the finish was absolutely amazing. Johnny Gargano, the first two-time and uh, North American Championship, uh, North North American Champion. I'm okay with it. Like I'm not truly like bothered by it. I like Gargano a lot. Surely Damian Priest will bounce back, and I think that nobody else was gonna take it off Priest because he kind of beat everybody's ass, but. Certainly those people that he beat can now come back with Johnny Gargano as champion. And Johnny Gargano can afford to take the pinfall on that. Um, so I definitely think that Damian Priest is not like, you know, he's not going to be in a rut. I definitely think like if they move on from him, uh, him and Johnny Gargano, I definitely think that they're going to put him in like the main title scene. So like him and, uh, Maybe him and Karrion, when he comes back, they can have a match or something, and it'll possibly like burn the house down. But we'll see. Pat McAfee uh, cuts a promo, and it's okay. I I don't hate Pat McAfee as everybody else did. He earned his stripes. He earned his positive praise with me. Yeah, I find him a a, a little bit annoying, but it's himself amplified to ten thousand, and it's working. Um. Brit and Brawlers, no man, these guys look swaggerless. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how you win the, I don't know how you win the championships and then you like, <laughs> just look, just look like some, uh, some regular dudes. You just look like some dads, bro. Um, but the shocking angle here is Pete Dunn returning, and this is that this segment was fire. So, um. Kyler Riley coming out, Pete Dunne seemingly going to be a filler for Undisputed Era, but then, I guess nobody thought about it, but then, uh, why would Pete Dunne help the Undisputed Era when Roderick Strong betrayed him way, way back, and they used to really be, <laughs> Undisputed Era used to really be beating Pete Dunne's ass, so why would he possibly help them? Uh... P. Dunn came, cracked Kyle O'Reilly in the back, and he just thanks Pat McAfee for getting him out of NXT UK. And this is most likely uh, the team that will be opposing the Undisputed Era for War Games. I think it's insane to have Pat McAfee in War Games, but it is what it is. <laughs> Once again, uh, we got to take a moment of silence for Shotzi Blackheart. And we'll be getting to the Haunted House of Horrors. Or was it a House of Terror? No, I'm getting it mixed up with The Simpsons. Uh, but Dexter Loomis and Cameron Grimes uh, have a match in a haunted house. And I thought this was way better than whatever match they were trying to do with uh, Bray and Orton a couple, uh, a couple years back. Yeah, it was a couple years back. They did all the, you know, sort of tricks and gags of the house. And then they finally brought it back to the ring. And then they had a... Uh, I, I wouldn't say they had a normal match. But they had the creepy house. Cameron Grimes uh, paying for his horny behavior. About to hop into the shower with some random lady. Uh, Dexter Loomis... <laughs> Uh, puts him against the wall and like cracks his uh just cracks his back and then Cameron Grimes runs all the way back to the uh 
the WCW, uh, the Capitol Wrestling Center, and I thought that was hilarious. I, I liked that a lot. And then the zombies, I when Cameron Grimes comes back to the uh, the Capitol Wrestling Center, and they have the regular match. I thought the inclusion of the zombies was really fucking cool. Like uh, Cameron Grimes even getting one of the cave uh, the cave-ins off on one of them because he thought it was Loomis. I thought that was fire. And then uh, Cameron Grimes, uh, no, Dexter Loomis choking out Cameron Grimes him running away and then the zombies like crawling on Loomis and he like looks completely calm was like amazing shit like I, I, I thought that was like really cool and of course they're probably gonna have like a they're probably gonna have a normal match at uh, War Games if they decide to have it is the Capitol Center even big enough for War Games who knows um, they're, def- they're definitely they're definitely gonna have a regular match like there's no way they're like that's the blow off for you like Cameron Grimes has to get his comeuppance and I definitely think that Dexter Loomis can afford to take a loss there like I think Dexter Loomis can always afford to take a loss and then he could always just come back stronger so we'll get there when we get there and then the main event Io Shirai versus Candice LeRae in a tables ladders and scares match the only scary thing here was Candice LeRae landing on her knees uh, when she was taking that ladder fall. That looked extremely painful. I didn't get to see the injury report, but I, she's going to be out of action for some period of time. I, de- I really hope she's okay. That fall looked really bad. Um, with that being said, I would say I am a fan of Candice LeRae right now. Like, I... I was impressed with her showing. I would like to see her do that with different opponents. <laughs> um, the Mia, uh, the street fight with Mia Yim was okay. I, I liked it, but she's always she always has good matches with uh, Io Shirai. But if she can have a really good match with like Ember Moon in the future, or Dakota Kai, or Raquel, if she turns, um, I I would be. Uh, I would be on the Gargano train and uh, I'm glad that they didn't pull the trigger on their Gargano fan uh, prophecy. I know a lot of people were like scared once Johnny Gargano won it because there was the mysterious figure and the mysterious figure shows up again in this match. And that's when I was just like, Oh shit, they're really going to pull the trigger on it. But no, uh, the ladder bump and then uh, Io Shirai takes it. This Io Shirai is kind of just undefeated in ladder matches. I I think uh, when she had her ladder match with Mia Yim, and uh, Mia Yim took that nasty cut in the face on that as well. But Io Shirai is still our women's champion, and I definitely think that Rhea Ripley is the next opponent. I think uh, Ember Moon is probably going to be busy with uh, Raquel and Dakota Kai for a little bit. And then that's about it. And we're going to go into some quick hits. Moment of silence for um, Shotzi Blackheart. All right. So the quick hits. Raquel Gonzalez and Rhea Ripley was a really good match. I really enjoyed it. I think the women definitely showed out on uh, this show here. I'm really impressed with... uh, 
Gonzalez in her, you know, in her singles, uh, first like official singles match that wasn't like a squash or anything. Rhea Ripley definitely brought the best out in her. I hope I hope that she can like keep that going with like other smaller opponents. I'm just curious where they go with her and um, where they go with her and Dakota Kai because I don't think Dakota Kai is going to beat Ember Moon, and I don't think. Well, I think her and Rhea Ripley are finished, so we'll see how that goes. Unless they run the Women's War Games match, which I can't think of a team right now because I want to do this in one take. But if they do a Women's War Games match, she's definitely going to show out in that uh, in that steel cage. Um, Jake Atlas looked like a chump against uh, Santos Escobar. I definitely think that the story or like where they should be going forward is getting Devlin to NXT. Sorry if that bothers anybody, but they need Santo Escobar to beat Devlin so they can like kind of clear all doubts of, you know, who's the true cruiserweight champion. Maybe they do a world collide and that's where they officially have the match. But I definitely think they should like settle that soon. And Maybe Jake Atlas isn't done. Like, some, not every title match has to be a one and done thing. So maybe since this match was like just last minute for um, for Halloween Havoc, they could possibly have this match again. But I definitely think that uh, Atlas didn't look too great here, uh, which is unfortunate. And then we're going to end off quick hits with reports saying that Indy Hartwell was supposed to be the person under the hood. Come on. I think we all knew that. But unfortunately, she is quarantining. So they never did the unmasking for her, for the reveal. And I don't think that's too bad. They never truly... uh... Oh, damn. I really wanted to do this in one take. But, um... You know what? Fuck it. I'm going to do this in one take. Uh, whatever story that they didn't get off with the unmasking, it's still salvageable. Like, they can definitely still do this next week or whenever she comes back. Uh, so, I, I they, they can still run the gamut on the story. Like, um, maybe... I don't know. It, it's two weeks for the quarantine process. So, maybe next week they can, like, shoot a vignette or something where Indy Hartwell shows up at that Gargano's house and they do something with that. So who knows, but that is it for the war report. The spot callers of TNA victory road, 2011 is coming soon. I, man, <laughs> TNA's ass. But uh, follow us on uh, the A Show RNC on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter on H underscore Visibility. Follow RNC Radio Live. We have a whole bunch of other great content uh, on the A Show Network. We have the thirty, the thirty, <laughs> the thirty year. Man, I really wanted to do this in one take. Uh, the one year, uh, not one year. Oh my god. The three-year anniversary of the A-Show. Jesus Christ. I mean, <laughs> the three-year anniversary of the A-Show. Shout-outs to uh, Meals and um, 
Mules and J5. The Rewriter's Room should be coming back soon. And Spot Callers. It's monthly, but we're back and we have... We have to stay in the impact zone one more time. But I think we're going to leave on a gracious note. And with that said, we're going to have a special guest next week to do the predictions for AEW Full Gear. See you guys next week.